0: hello and welcome to the orchard church family ministry podcast i'm jason holmes Family's pastor at the Orchard Church, and we are helping you make disciples in the home. Now, this podcast and all of its previous episodes can be found on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, or wherever you find your podcast. Now, today's guest is a longtime friend in ministry. He currently serves as a student pastor in the Tupelo, Mississippi area at Calvary Baptist. We've certainly partnered together in ministry there in Tupelo and elsewhere throughout the years. His name is Todd Summerford. He's a longtime friend. Welcome to the podcast, Todd. What's up, brother?
1: Hey, man. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I I feel like you're running short on guests if I'm here, Uh, but I'm excited to be on, on the show today. And let me just
0: be the first to tell you, no, indeed, man, what a privilege it is. I always appreciate our time together. I used to love making those day trips over to Tupelo to hang out and just talk ministry. And of course we've I've been to your place a couple of times. We've we've met with some family ministry and some of your small group leaders and, and done some training in that regard too. But man, I just I've just enjoyed your friendship and just partnership in ministry through the years. So man, it's my my joy and my pleasure to have you on today.
1: Well I appreciate that man. I'm excited for the conversation too. I, I don't know exactly where it's going to lead us but I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, no that's fair. And I'll tell you Todd I mean the whole point of this podcast is we're, we're partnering with families. But part of why I have you on here is because I already know your heart and I already know your heart for discipleship. I already know your heart for family ministry and that partnership between the church and the home. And we'll talk a little bit about that today for sure. But let, before we do get into that, Todd, let me just ask you. So your student pastor at Calvary. I know sometimes that means a dot, dot, dot in a lot of other areas, and maybe that's the case now. But But tell me a little about you, family, how long you've been there, things like that.
1: Yeah, so uh, my wife and I, Corey, we've been married for 13 years. She's a school teacher. We have uh, an eight-year-old son, Will, who's in the third grade, and our daughter, Sadie, is four. Uh, we've been in ministry full-time for just over 10 years and been at Calvary for five of those. So there is a bit of a dot, dot, dot in some ways here because I'm you know, typical youth guy. I'm also the IT guy. Uh, and uh, right now we are without a pastor, so I'm filling the pulpit every third week as well. So kind of some crazy times. It's an interesting stage of life, but uh, I guess that's me in a tidbit.
0: Well, that's cool though. I mean, that's the life of a student pastor. Sometimes the dot, dot, dot is included in IT. I, can, I get that. But right now in these COVID days, IT really means even more than it normally would because a lot of people are tuning in online or deciding that Zoom fatigue has really set in and some things like that. But getting to fill the pulpit every third week or whatever you said, man, that's great. I'm excited about that for you, Todd. I, man, I rejoice with you in that. Not the part about not having a lead pastor, but at least the part about getting to share from God's word on a on a semi regular basis, man, I'm I'm pumped for the people of Tupelo for that for sure. Hey, but you know, you we mentioned these COVID days. Let's just jump into that for a second. We won't spend a lot of time. Uh, hopefully, the, these times will be behind us sooner rather than later. But they're realities right now, and man, we have had to adjust on the fly, right? And so, man there in Tupelo, what what did you guys do to kind of help folks through that? And what are you doing now? And I, I know school and everything else, they didn't give us a playbook for this, no classes for this. And so, you know, what are you guys doing?
1: Yeah. So we we did not really have uh, a very directed youth ministry specific approach, but we, we approached it from the larger scale of what does Calvary need in this time? And so we did a lot of Zoom meetings that were very much age specific. We did man, so many of those, uh, Zoom fatigue is a very real thing. And uh, so we did a lot of Zoom meetings, but we also, for our students, they're a little more resilient uh, in some ways if you try to meet outdoors. And so we did a lot of outdoor get-togethers with social distancing and, uh, you know, pass around the cooler with some popsicles and you reach in with a pair of gloves. (laughs) and You know, just our effort with students was primarily just to, get them together as safe as we could, because we felt like if we didn't do that, we were going to lose a lot of attraction that we had as far as uh, relationship building among the group, but also in in the spiritual realm as well with them. So mostly Zoom, uh, but but Zoom fatigue is very real. And so now we're, we're trying to do some in-person things, but on a much smaller and safer scale uh, because of COVID. So yeah
0: yeah and and obviously it, it's a week to week basis what the restrictions are in the area the way the churches are are handling it and responding but man i just i get it i mean really you're just trying to do whatever it takes you're trying to keep the relational equity you're trying to encourage and the truth is we understand too as as pastors the morale gets low the despair depression loneliness all of those things are real and we're going to have future podcasts on those particular topics and so I'd love to have you back on and let dive into some of those things as well but I know that those are real things and families are certainly dealing with them for sure
1: yeah absolutely and and you know it's, this is not just a thing that that teenagers or, or families are dealing with these are things that pastors are walking through too because like you said we don't we don't have a playbook for this we're we I believe are built for relationship. And, and I think that is in person face-to-face relationship. And so to, to have not really had that for the past five months has been difficult for pastors as well. So their parents and families are not in this alone for sure.
0: And I love that. We talk about the partnership between the home and the church, and that's part of where we get to come alongside each other, hold up the arms, regardless of what the circumstances are. And so, man, I'm very appreciative of you, Jim, the the team that you've got there, the partnership that we have in ministry, but then just not only that, but the way that you reach out to the families there in your area in that form of support and encouragement and just life on life mentality. I know you guys have a huge heart for discipleship. We'll delve in that deeper. But but before we even get there, it, we make disciples of Jesus. And so, Todd, for you, man, how has Jesus changed
1: your life? You know, when I was, I still remember pretty vividly when I was 10, uh, we came home from, from church on a Sunday night. I asked my mom to come into my room. And the time I was sharing a, a room with my younger brother and I had the bottom bunk. And I can remember kind of getting in that cave and, and just talking to my mom about, hey, look, I feel like jesus is i feel like i need jesus to save my life and as a 10 year old you know what, what has a 10 year old done that is is kind of over the top that is going to make for some kind of ridiculous testimony but um the reality is is every person regardless of whether they've hit rock bottom or if if they have just been a quote unquote good person is is literally in need of being snatched from the fires of hell and jesus did that for me at 10 And uh, seven years later, kind of placed a call to ministry on my life and through my youth pastor and my parents as well. And then some guys who I didn't even recognize were discipling me. Uh, The Lord showed me how to walk in faithfulness, uh, regardless of what stage of life I find myself or the consequences of life, whatever the circumstances might be. I saw godly men and women walking through those things. And I didn't realize it at the time. But looking back, that's that was discipleship. and so. I firmly believe that God would have me where I am now, no matter what. But I also know that those people played a significant role in, in my life to this point.
0: Sure. And and that's it. It's not just a salvation, but it's life. It's that sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's people coming alongside. It's that life on life. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, you're talking about a picture of discipleship. Now, wait, before we get off on this, though, Todd, I bet you you mentioned that bottom bunk with brother up top. I bet you did a lot of things that probably you needed to uh, apologize for over time there. So, I mean, I'm just guessing here, but that's funny. That's good. So so Todd we talked about a little bit about discipleship. We know it's a command straight out of Matthew 28. I mean, we know we could build on a lot of that, but what's the practicality? What's the practicality of discipleship? I know you guys you utilize D groups in your church. How how's that going? How's that effective?
1: Yeah, so the the reality of discipleship is it's learning to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. And we believe that that happens in a small group setting where you are intentionally studying God's word together. You're memorizing God's word together. You're serving others together. You're praying together and you're holding each other accountable. And the reason that that is effective is because it would be very easy to go to a church of 200 or 2000 and just blend in. And for someone to not know from one week to the next, oh, you know, uh, Todd wasn't here this week. I should probably follow up with him. But if you miss that D group meeting, you know, you've got three or four other people who are going to call you as soon as they leave that meeting and say, Hey, what's up, man, you weren't here. What, what's the problem? And they're going to hold you to the covenant. We call them covenant groups for our students because they make a covenant that this matters. Um, and so the reason that it works is I think primarily but or not primarily, but one reason is because of the accountability. i also think we see Jesus do the same thing with his disciples Um, but it only works because God makes it work. And I think we have to stress that, uh, discipleship is not a legalistic approach to maintaining salvation. Jesus maintains our salvation and only Mm -hmm. he, uh, but discipleship is us coming alongside him and experiencing the Holy Spirit work in us to make us more like him. And the spiritual disciplines only help us do that. Yeah.
0: I love that. I love what you were saying that, Folks don't slip through the cracks. Um, it's a reminder that they matter, and it's a reminder of the bigger picture. Of I mean, when we trust Christ with our life, we now get to trust Christ with the details of life. And so, hit me that. Hit me with that again, Todd. Uh, mention some of those things again that that you guys utilize within your uh, D groups or co- covenant groups. I believe is what you said they they're called in your student ministry. Hit me up with a couple of those uh, details there again.
1: Yeah. So we say every group uh, we train our leaders five things have to be a part of every group. The first thing is God's word is the textbook. So you study God's word together. The second thing is you memorize the textbook. The third thing is within the group, every single person prays out loud every week. Uh, and so you do prayer requests and those types of things. The fourth thing is that you serve together as a as a discipleship group. And then the last thing is you hold each other accountable. And if, if one of those things is missing, the... I guess the, the success of the D group is only dependent on Jesus, mm-hmm. but the effectiveness of the group can suffer if you leave out one of those things, because you're missing the full scope of discipleship.
0: And part of that accountability, part of that brotherhood, sisterhood, I suppose, or part of that life on life with people, I, I suppose some of those things could be overwhelming to some at first, and so I'm sure there's a, a gradual learning each other, getting more comfortable with each other along the way. And certainly the the more you put God's textbook, as you say, into your heart, the more you begin to uh, overflow, live it out. I suppose the comfort level begins to increase and, and uh, um, is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's why we tell our people that the effort is that groups will meet together anywhere from 12 months to 18 months in their closed groups. So once the group begins, you're not going to 6 months in add somebody to it because when you do that the the accountability level is going to plummet and so we we keep them a closed group for as long as the group needs to meet because that as you said the accountability is going to build over time as you become more comfortable with somebody holding you accountable
0: yeah and so and let me just say this too i'm assuming uh Todd, that that a, a d group a covenant group is a uh, is what where you're heading towards so that certainly you have bigger opportunities larger group settings where entry points are, 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 set up along the way, but your covenant groups, uh, they're meant to be just that it's a covenant between probably the, the, the people together and the leader
1: or leaders there within that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we want every student and ev- or every church member to be involved in three different areas or three different settings in the church. That's the large group. And so that's corporate worship. We want every member to be involved in a small group. And we, we use Sunday school for that, the traditional Sunday school model. And then we want every person to be in a D group. And so it is a process. You don't just, you don't, um, if you're involved in a D group, but you're not in the large group setting, then you're missing a significant part of discipleship and vice versa. If you leave one out, then um, your walk is going to suffer to some degree because you're missing a vital piece of that. So we, we do try to move people through that pathway.
0: Yeah no I I'm totally down I love I love strategic discipleship pathways I love that that uh that element where anybody at any time can enter enter in and there's a place for them because again that goes back to you matter that goes back to hey This matters to you, too, and we want you to experience that. And sometimes it's, hey, just watch me for a while, and you'll see that I really am who I say I am, or or, these folks are that way. They really do care about you, and sometimes it does take a minute. Sure. (laughs) Um, Hey, let me ask you this, though, Todd. Practically, families, how do you partner with the families at home? How do you help them in that disciple? We would say, uh, parents are the primary disciplers in their home. So, how do we partner with them in that?
1: Yeah. So, one of the things that I do is uh, I try to communicate on a week, at least a weekly basis, with parents through an email. And a lot of that is like the you know, it's the announcement things, right? So, hey, don't forget this thing's coming up. Turning your deposits, those kinds of things. But at the beginning of every email, I include what I call one cultural thing. And so, I, I take the hot topic that is circul- circulating around at that point. And offer my commentary on it. I'll offer some links to information about that thing, whatever it might be. And then I'll offer links as well. I include links in the email for um, Christian voices to speak into that. And that is a pretty significant effort. That takes a while to do the research and to put that together for parents. Um, And hopefully that will lead to a conversation within the home about whatever this thing is. But the other thing that we do is we are consciously making an effort to push parents toward, toward being in a discipleship group within our church family, because in order for a parent to truly disciple their child, they have to have been discipled at some point. And so our effort is primarily to see parents be discipled. And our effort is to help connect them to, to people who are doing discipleship, who are prepared to lead a discipleship group. And as we move them into that, Then we use parent meetings and emails and text messages to challenge them to then disciple at home. And we remind them over and over that uh, this is your job, but we are so excited to partner with you in that.
0: And I love that. Even just the language, it's just a constant reminder of the responsibility of the parent at home, and 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 we don't, and we're not in any way trying to leave them alone. We want to partner. We want to come yeah. alongside. We want to to hold the arms up in the gaps. And I love that. That I mean, yeah, you're right, Todd. You you can't disciple unless you are first a disciple. And so right. I love the way that's part of your discipleship pathway there, uh, helping parents get involved in that process too. Let me ask this, Todd. I know that uh, that you you got an affinity for books along the way. You you do some reading. What's something that stood out to you? What's something you read? What's something you might encourage to a family or somebody else out there?
1: Yeah, so you mentioned this to me before, and you said one book, but um, how about three books? Come on, <laughs> give it to me. Yeah. So the, the first book that I would highly recommend is it's kind of a deep read. It's a it's a pretty thick book, but it's a book by Nancy Piercy. It's called Total Truth. And she really delves into this some of the, Cultural isms, and she approaches them from a biblical uh, viewpoint. And she says, "Hey, look, this is where this falls short, but here is how the Bible answers that question." Uh, it's a tremendous read. It's it's kind of heavy. I had to read it for seminary, but highly recommend it. I put it in our church library for parents. Um, a little bit of an easier read that is a little more to the point, I guess, is a book by Jim Burns and it's called Understanding Your Teen, sure. and he really just kind of breaks down into some little short chapters and short tidbits about various things that your teenager might be walking through. And it tries to, he tries to help parents kind of understand uh, why your teenager is acting the way that they are. (laughs) And then, and then here's what you can do to respond to that. Uh, And then the third book is, is a book for youth leaders primarily. Um, But I think it'd be awesome if parents read it and then they came and they said, Hey, how is our church putting this into practice? But it's a book by Richard Ross, and it is Student Ministry and the Supremacy of Christ. Fantastic book that has shaped my ministry significantly. So those are three books that I've read each of them multiple times and, and big fans of, of those, not just the books, but the authors as well. Yeah. Well,
0: you mentioned Richard Ross. He was leading in student ministry, man, before maybe before we were born. But man, his his heart and his passions uh, for Jesus and the overflow and what student ministry looks like now has totally been transformed over the past 10, 12 years. Um, And so, yeah, I I recommend those as well. So, but you and I would both say, parents, families, whoever's listening, if you're only going to read one thing, don't leave out the word. And so, and what's what's a scripture that's always been one of your favorites or something that's stuck out to you lately?
1: Well, my favorite book in the whole Bible is probably Daniel. I Mm -hmm. I just love the—you get a picture of Israel in captivity, and you get a picture of faithfulness in that. Mm -hmm. Um, But my favorite verses, two of them, would be Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. And the Todd paraphrase would be, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego look at the king, and they say, O king, our God is able to save us from the fire. And they actually say, and he will save us. Mm -hmm. But then in verse eighteen they say, "But even if he does not, yeah. we will bow to no one and nothing other than God." And I think the culture that that we are in, there are so many things that are calling for us to bow down, and we need to have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego approach and say, "When everyone else bows, we will bow to no one but Christ." And so I love that. I love that passage.
0: That's great, Todd. Man, I tell you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your constant encouragement in life. I'm thankful for your faithfulness to the hope in the gospel consistently. Thankful for your partnership in ministry. Um, Any final words to close? Any encouragement to families out there?
1: Yeah, I think um, I just had a conversation with one of our staff ladies in the office uh, who has a teenage son. And she was telling me about some things that they had found out. And uh, the encouragement that I gave her is something that I think parents need to hear. And that is, if your child messes up in life, you do not need to feel like a failure. If, if you have done everything you possibly can to fulfill your biblical responsibility of raising your children to know God and to walk with him, if you've done that, and your child still messes up. Hey, guess what? It's not your fault. The, the issue is sin. And I think a lot of times I've had many conversations with parents who feel defeated and who are ready to give up. And I've actually heard parents who said, I can't do anything with them anymore. And I think the reason that parents get there is because parents feel like they have failed. And that's just not the case. Now, parent, if you're listening and you have done nothing to teach your child about Jesus, if you have chosen—and I may get you in trouble here, Jason—but if you've chosen various activities over church life and your kid begins to walk in sinfulness, parent, you shoulder the responsibility in that to a large degree. But parent, if you are faithful, if you're a faithful member of your local church, if you're raising your children to know Jesus by your words and your actions— and they still mess up, you are not a failure, but sin is very real. And so I would just say, press on in faithfulness, trust the Lord with your children, and do not give up and do not grow weary.
0: That's good. I'm thankful, Todd. I appreciate you for that. And all of you who are listening, you can tune in every Wednesday for the Orchard Church Family Ministry Podcast, where we're helping you make disciples in the home. And again, this podcast and all of its previous episodes can be found on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, wherever you find your podcast. When you're there, be sure to like or subscribe to the podcast so you're sure not to miss any of the future episodes. And as always, If you have suggestions or a topic you'd like to discuss, or parents, any way we can come alongside you, email me, jason.holmes at theorchardchurch.com. Todd, our encouragement today then is that scripture that you referenced. The God whom we served is able to rescue us from your hand, O King, but even if he chooses not to, we will not bow down to that image that you set before us, man. Great word. Great reminder there in your last words. You know, we can get so caught up in what the world's offering that we forget what's most important. And so together, let's love God, love others, and make disciples. What do you say, Todd?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, listen, I appreciate you having me here today. And uh, my prayers, it's been helpful.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, brother.
1: Thanks, Jason.